When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Joe, let me ask you a question. Ask away. You know that I don't like Marissa. I think it's I think it's one of the worst kept secrets of this podcast. But is Marissa sitting next to Ryan saying that her history means that she won't go to college? <laughs> like read the room, Marissa. This dude's been arrested three times. You shot someone in self-defense. <laughs> like, she is, that, right out the gate, I was already like, you know what? I already dislike Marissa in this episode. Already annoyed with her. Well, like, Ryan, Ryan didn't shoot anybody. <laughs> he stole a car. <laughs> he stole a car when he was 16. That was, like, years ago. Marissa shot someone when she was 17. Or no, he was eight. He shot someone like it, it's been a while since he shot someone since he did it's anything been a while. bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know. I just the Marissa stuff throughout this entire episode just felt really dumb. Like I think it's still dumb that she's expelled. Like I I think that it's dumb that they didn't try to get her back at their school after they got rid of Dean Hess since that was his call just as much to expel her as it was to expel Ryan. Mm -hmm. um, she has these flashbacks while trying to write this essay. Mm -hmm. And this is, I feel bad, Misha, if you're listening, I apologize. But you compare the way she acts to the flashbacks to the way Ryan does the punching bag scene in the previous episode. Mm -hmm. And like, she, it's just overacting city. It's, it's too much. It's like too, everything that she does is too much. It's it's really, really, really tough to sit through. Yeah. Um, it's giving RuPaul acting challenge. Like, <laughs> yes. Yes. That's exactly what it's giving. Like, she is got the acting style of a drag queen in this episode. Mm -hmm. It's And not a good one. And not a particularly good one. Yeah. We're not talking about a Jinx Monsoon here. No. Like, this is pretty low level. 
Um, but we're going to get, I mean, there is, every once in a while, there is a storyline that is so definitively, this is how we have to wrap up the episode. So we're going to have to pause on the Marissa talk until we get to the end of everyone else's storyline. Because boy, did I scream about 10 minutes left in this episode when a specific event happened in a parking lot. Let's talk about the Julie Cooper of it all. You love Julie Cooper. Let's let's dive into it. Charlotte gets just kind of written off in dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> like, he gave her a great little like villain send-off, right? Yeah. But you know, like Kirsten's just like, I can't believe Charlotte just went away and didn't say goodbye to me. <laughs> like it's just like, all right, I guess that's the last we hear of Charlotte for a while. Um Julie Cooper, Charlotte's been gone for a day. And Julie Cooper is already up for being evicted from this property, uh, which I'm pretty sure, like, that should be technically Charlotte's problem. Charlotte yeah. was the person who signed the lease, but whatever. Julie makes a run for it. I'm sure you'll find this very honorable. I have a real, I have a real problem in life in general with people who don't ask for help. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Julie Cooper needs to just ask someone for help. The The amount of ego and pride that's pushing her to like get off the grid and live in a random trailer trying to figure things out versus just asking one of your many rich friends, hey, I've fallen on hard times. I'm not asking for a handout. Just give me some type of guidance on how to fix this yeah. so that I don't have to do this thing. Mm-hmm. However... Uh-huh. I understand why she doesn't when she comes clean about Charlotte, who, again, I genuinely thought we were not even going to hear her name again after Kirsten just was like, I can't believe Charlotte left and didn't say goodbye. I was like, well, that sounds like OC lingo for don't expect to hear that name again. But Julie comes clean about Charlotte and it's really hard to watch because you're watching Kirsten's heartbreak. Mm-hmm. And I'm not telling Julie Cooper to lie. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> but but so much could have been resolved if Julie had just worded something a little bit differently. And she's like, she says like, but I changed my mind and stopped it. And it's like, if you've been thinking about how you're going to explain this story to someone, you got to reword that and say like, I caught on to her at the last second and put a stop to it. Like, <laughs> like you don't have to fully own, own that like, she was able to to tempt you into going along with it. Like for most of that arc, every time that it looked like it was going to affect Kirsten, mm-hmm. she was like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. So like, I don't know. It, she worded it in such a way that she made it really sound like they were like scheming together. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, no, you kind of got coerced into being a part of this while it had already started. Like the ball had already started rolling. Yeah. Because I think when they pitch the idea to Kirsten, that is before she finds the debit cards. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like she is she it's not even lying that much to just act like you genuinely didn't know because she only really knew what the plan was for like a day or two. Yeah. Before she was like, you know what? No, this is fucked. And she kind of did it the best way because ultimately what she could have done is tell Kirsten and Kirsten cancels this event last second Mm -hmm. 
and everybody talks about it. Yeah. That this or what she actually did, which was like let the event happen and put a bunch of money to a good cause and deny this girl from getting the money. Like mm-hmm. Which is why I think I said last week, I kind of wish that that was just her plan. Was like, I actually still think this is a good cause, so I'm going to go along with this, but I have my my cheat code. I'm just going to tell everyone to write check. It's checks only, no cash. Yeah. And then Charlotte's fucked. <laughs> and like, yeah. like, I don't know. It's I feel like it's a messy storyline, and I feel like it's also... I don't foresee the the... Julie Cooper, Kirsten hating each other thing to go more than an episode or two anyway. Like, this seems like like it's going to be a very easily solvable situation <laughs> down the line. So I'm not like... And especially, they haven't really been depicted as the best of friends, even though, like, it's definitely... It's given a crazy ex-girlfriend, you're my best friend, even though I know I'm not yours, where, mm-hmm. like... I truly believe that Julie Cooper sees Kirsten as her best friend. I do not think that Kirsten sees Julie Cooper as her best friend. No. I mean, not at first, right? Like, it's it's that thing that shows do where, like, you're my best friend, and you just kind of shoehorn it in there until it becomes true. Yes. Yeah, we do that. And you know what? People do that in real life, too. I think we've all I think we've all indirectly forced someone to be our best friend by telling them that they're our best friend. Um, What are you to say in that circumstance? (laughs) But you're mine, too. Like, you're not going to be like, oh, that's nice. You're like an acquaintance to me, but I appreciate. Yeah. Let's talk about everyone's favorite new character, Taylor Townsend. Um, <laughs> this episode, she's like, I don't know. I would say in this episode, she's not that crazy or even creepy. I think she's when the, when the last episode ended, Seth said, she said something about how like Seth and summer are her only friends and she's aware that they don't like her. And like, Seth's like, no, we, we like you just fine. And she kind of has this little celebratory moment where I'm like, okay, I can read that as one of two things. Mm-hmm. I can read that as like Mr. Burns twiddling his fingers like mwahaha, they're falling into my evil plan of getting them both close so I can tear them apart. Sure. Or or, or like genuinely excited of like, oh well, wow, maybe I genuinely have two friends. And I don't think it's played its hand just yet, but this episode feels like no, I want to try to be friends with these people. Like, she's trying to make an effort to be nice to Summer and befriend Summer. And she kind of helps save their relationship a little bit Mm -hmm. in this one. Now, we got to talk about the most Seth Cohen shit, which is (laughs) Seth, Seth Cohen's version of trying to make this work is give up your dream college and go to the East Coast with me. It is the most Seth Cohen nonsense in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I completely, it, it's so funny what you remember slash don't remember, right? From yeah. a show that, like, for better or worse, I am the expert on yeah. this show. But, like, it's been a while and just some things just fall out of there. And I completely forgot that this is how the conversation about college starts with the yep. two of them. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's so. Let me ask you a question. I feel like this is not a spoiler okay. by any stretch of the imagination, but I know that next season is college. Yes, and right now it sounds like the plan is that they're going to the East Coast. Do we get like this weird season where they're like bouncing back and forth between like what Seth and Summer are doing on the East Coast and what Ryan's doing in California, or do they kind of use the death of Marissa as a way to like be like shit? Plans changed. We're staying in California for another year. Basically, just tell me: is is season four? Are they on the East Coast for season four? Yes. They are. Oh wow! Okay, I am interested. I am. I am so intrigued now. That's all I need to know. Tell me nothing else. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or twenty-four-seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. In the darkest corners of the internet, a nameless, formless entity has been growing. No one dares question where it was created or what it wants. But those who have been entranced by its musings chant its blood-curdling name in unison. Horror Movie Night! Find Horror Movie Night on your favorite podcasting app or at hmnpodcast.com. They're doing something with Taylor where they are like (laughs) specifically... (laughs) They're like specifically constructing her to be like Seth's dream girl in a lot of ways. And it's reminding me of Anna. And I know that you've told me that we have yet to have our series wrap on Anna. Which uh-huh. makes me think that there's this is like, again, putting little pieces of the puzzle together. I wonder if we start to have a genuine love triangle. Anna shows up. And because Seth Cohen can't make a decision to save his life. He asks Anna which person he should be with. And she probably once again is like, Summer, you named a boat after her. (laughs) 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 But but that's that's my guess, because they are literally making her like Anna 2.0 in a lot of ways right now. She's into the same kung fu, like where Anna was like into the comic books and all that. Like also was fucking believable. Like, no, but she's into no. the same like yakuza, very ninja, specific, whatever. Yeah, yeah, very specific kung fu in Polish art films. Like, it's a very weird, does not fit the character that we've seen for the last seven episodes. Uh, character trait, but I think we've talked about everything enough now, so let's just get to it. Johnny got hit by a fucking car, <laughs> <laughs> like a car that is. So Speeding through a busy parking lot. (laughs) I couldn't believe what I was seeing, Joe. I thought he was dead. You had told me that one of these people died. And I was like, if this is how they kill Johnny, if Johnny just gets wrecked by a car (laughs) and that's the end of it. Holy shit. It's not yet. But now Johnny is firmly in my person, I think, is going to unexpectedly die before Marissa uh, storyline. But you know what? 
I like Johnny so fucking much. Yeah, you are when, Johnny in many ways. That's why. Well, when he's in the hospital bed and she's talking to him and she's like, well, what are you going to do? He's like, I'm going to do what they tell me to do and I'm going to get back on the board and try again. Like, yeah. life sucks, but you got to keep moving. And I was like, fucking yeah, dude. Like, Johnny's a good, solid dude. I'm going to be sad when he's dead. <laughs> like, <laughs> So right now you're on Johnny Death Watch, like you think it's Johnny that's yeah. gonna die. I mean, I jokingly said Chili, but I'm like, it's I you mean, know Chili, Chili is actually dead in real life. That actor, really? Yeah. No. Yeah. That's sad. I re- I realized it in this episode when <laughs> when he's calling out for Johnny. I was like, oh fuck, that's right. This actor is actually dead. He was filming. Um, he was he did like maybe one or two seasons of Sons of Anarchy. He was like a prospect for the motorcycle club. Okay. For Sam Crow. And um yeah, then he like does this. <laughs> yeah, he's like actually dead. <laughs> but yeah, I like Johnny and I'll tell you who else I like. I like Paul from Berkeley. <laughs> this dude the another huge laugh out of me, which like the OC has officially hit a point where not too much is making me laugh anymore. But when Ryan and Marissa are like talking about college, and then he's just standing there in the, he's <laughs> just standing in the background. He's like, "Sorry, uh, I was all alone at the table." <laughs> anyway, great to hear you're thinking about colleges. Please consider Berkeley. And then just like walks away. I was like, amazing. That is that is funnier than the OC deserves to have in its storytelling. That got a big chuckle out of me. And Joe, I think I'm ready to give you my star rating on this. Got a got a legitimate laugh out of me with Paul. Mm-hmm. Got a laugh out of me when I saw Johnny get hit by a car in a parking lot. Was not expecting that. Loud gasp. Laughed. Uh, no Volchek. No Volchek. I, I gave this a solid three stars. I think this was a perfectly fun episode. No. It was kind of stress-free, which is weird to say about a show where a guy gets hit by a car. But, <laughs> but like I wasn't on, I wasn't on pins and needles or anything. I was like, everything's gonna be all right. Um, yeah, crazy, absolutely crazy. Uh, but yeah, that's um, that's that's where I'm landing on on the on the game plan. Episode eight, the game plan, a solid three-star outing from the OC. Joe, let's talk about music, because boy, this had songs. <laughs> Won't say if they were good, memorable ones, but they had them. So we got Nine Black Alps, Unsatisfied, plays in the opening scene. Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, which I think this is the second or third appearance of them on this section. Open Invitation, which is what plays when Marissa just simply can't write her essay. The Talk by NYLA, which plays during Johnny's surfing contest. And Petra Hedden and Bill For Sales cover of Yellow by Coldplay is the last song we hear in the episode. Um, I don't know, man. I fucking love the song Yellow. I obviously went with that. What was your... Same. Is, you did the same? Yeah. yeah. I also I love a cover... It won't be yeah. the first. It won't be the last time that I will like a cover on the OC specifically. Yeah, exactly. It's. Yeah. I feel like they're almost more famous for their weird cover songs of famous songs mm-hmm. than than almost anything else. Joe, 
what was your pop culture thing you want to talk about this week before we wrap it up? Um, I want to talk about, um, so it's, it, as we're recording this, it's Oscar season. The nominations have come out this week and um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to at least see all the best picture nominations. Yeah. I'm um, not going to be able to see everything, but definitely best picture. And one movie that I watched recently that was snubbed, in my opinion, was snubbed in many ways, is um, All of Us Strangers by... I've heard some things about that. Yeah, yeah. I I literally wrote down my list as soon as the announcements were made and where I could watch each one. I think there's only three movies that aren't available or will be available on streaming very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that that was one that was kind of a shocking like was a lot of people's has a good chance of getting nominated yeah. category. It it had a good chance after watching it. I could kind of see why the Academy would have snubbed it. It would have been really great if they hadn't, especially as far as like Andrew Scott is concerned. Cause like Andrew Scott is so good in it, but all of us strangers. And it's also just like, it's so interesting how they people market movies, right? Like the marketing yeah. for uh, the marketing campaign for uh, all of us strangers has literally been just like little, uh, not even full videos of them doing the like, you know, puppy interview, you know, those kinds of things. But it's just been like little, um, little bits, little bites of uh, Andrew Scott and Paul Meskel. Uh, just like being cute together and and they're really like playing up the fact that like oh they have sex and they're really cute and fun and to me it's like well first of all like they are but like that's not what the movie is about (laughs) the the movie is like you're gonna go in thinking you're gonna watch like this like really sexy fun maybe kind of weird spooky movie and it's like just like it's just trauma. Just the whole movie is trauma. Trauma, <laughs> trauma, 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 trauma. But like it does confirm that I am like I do have a really huge celebrity crush on Paul Meskel. Like yeah, just, you just hey, you can't deny who you love, Joe. No. And for you it's Paul Meskel. It is Paul Meskel. This is the blue eyes and like just and the thing is too, it's like this the guy who wrote and directed this, Andrew Haig. He like did looking. He did weekend. Like he's known for like man- meditative character studies, <laughs> right? Yeah. And no, so you have sure. like Paul Mescal, where like there's literally just scenes where they're just staring into each other's eyes, and he has beautiful blue eyes. Like I can't, I I just can't. It's so those were just like nice reprieves in between, like trauma. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well. You know, I'm going to change what I had written down for my pop culture thing and and join you on this journey. Um, I haven't watched nearly enough of the nominated movies, so I'm really trying to work hard. I, I The two that I'm most interested to see of the 10 nominees but haven't gotten around to is I hear amazing things about past lives and I hear amazing things about poor things, both movies that yeah. I really, really want to check out. Um, but what I was able to watch was The Holdovers, which was – just a delight. I don't think it's going to win. I, I mean, I it really feels like if the Golden Globes were any implication, this is just going to be a lot of Oppenheimer wins. But I mean, yeah, the, Nolan dominates the technical categories, right? Yeah, but it's. I was shocked to find out that this was the first time he had ever won a, a Golden Globe 
which is crazy because yeah. you think of him as like this, you know, very popular with critics filmmaker. But um, the holdovers is just so delightful. It it's definitely something that I'm like, oh, this is going to be part of like my Christmas rotation soon because it's just a very. I love Alexander Payne. I always have enjoyed his movies. Um, and this is just a, another one of his many. Uh, the the dude knows how to use Paul Giamatti better than any other director, and this is probably Paul's best performance in in since probably like a American Splendor slash Sideways, mm-hmm. like two thousand four. Like he's really crushing it in this movie, and it's kind of just like a four person story. It's a very small movie, but it's a smart movie with how it uses its smallness. Um, so that's my that's my I want to say yeah you watch both watch the movie that got snubbed and watch one that actually is very accurately nominated I'm I'm forcing my way through Maestro and I am not feeling why this was one of the 10 just yet but Uh, yeah but we'll see you know you put a dick on Bradley Cooper's face and suddenly (laughs) (laughs) but you know what the holdovers right which is about like a boarding school and you know the guy staying it fits over in with the oc it's what the oc could have been that's also some white people problems right there <laughs> that is some serious white people problems you know what most of hollywood white people problems and we'll be back next week talking about all of them listening to the Geekscape Network. 